0: Good people of the world. We are back for episode 24 of Gab with Gwen podcast. I consider this to be season two because who could believe I came to 24 episodes, which is wild. I have a very special guest today, international guest, Miss Samantha. Say hello. Hey. Hey. So, anyway, uh, I've known Samantha for, I'm going to call her Sam, for a really long time. And I you're supposed to record earlier this summer cuz you were here earlier this summer but things changed and then I think like you were, we were hanging out. We never actually got around to recording. So yeah. this is your last day in the United States of America. It is. And in I'm like, year. and I'm like, girl, you better get your, we're going to record this episode. So <laughs> I got a calendar invite. In she, sure did, <laughs> she sure I did. Serious <laughs> she sure did. Was was <laughs> and actually you guys, okay. You guys are learning a different side about Gwen. Gwen is actually quite an organized individual. So I actually do send everyone calendar advice. Mm-hmm um listen friends about this life okay so yeah we've known each other for a long time um yeah we met the first day in japan and we've been friends ever since which is really easy like a lifetime ago and a lot has happened showing
1: cleavage in the middle of tokyo having men falling off their bicycles
0: just you You know know, all kinds of things a lot of stuff a lot of stuff Uh, She knows where the bodies are buried, basically. So, let's, you know, I think as we go through the episodes, you'll learn more about Sam, because Sam has lived a very interesting life. And, um, but, you know, in the spirit of this podcast, you know, we're going to start off with kind of just getting your thoughts, feedback on previous episodes. So, actually, what I really wanted to, because you've actually been referred to on episodes, and Kimmy nicknamed you Peggy. And I said, I don't think she's going to like that name. That happened on an episode? Oh, yeah. Totally on an episode. Um, she nicknamed I you that. Peggy. <laughs> and this um, was before she even met you. But she nicknamed you Peggy because in all of the pegging conversations, which I know we've, we've actually kind of not talked about that for a while, but I felt like we need to bring it back because Sam had a different perspective than the majority of the folks who've discussed it so far. So why don't you tell us how you feel about pegging?
1: So I think that when you're talking about things like pegging, I think you need to sort of disclose the context in which you're discussing it. If you're in a committed long-term relationship, if this is something out of the blue that comes up in a wild night out, whatever, your crazy lives may lead you, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. You think context makes a difference? I do, because I think that I think that in a committed long-term relationship mm-hmm. as a heterosexual woman, mm-hmm. if my partner were to suggest or ask or be curious about mm-hmm. pegging, mm-hmm. I feel like in that context I would be more open to listening to wanting to understand and and possibly wanting to try those things. So listen, no maybe just that thing. Maybe we should just leave that singular.
0: singular. (laughs) But I don't think anyone's ever had the feedback about not listening. The, the, the majority of the feedback from our, my different guests has been that they would be uncomfortable doing it. Kimmy was the only one who's kind of toyed with the idea. I said this, you know, so I, you know, through all of the different episodes, it was kind of involved. So I, I think they're there like two different styles of pegging, if you will. Okay. And so the style that initially comes to my mind is a woman wearing a strap-on and using it on a man. Now, the other style, which Kimmy kind of alluded to, and I've heard other people say uh, on the podcast, is that you're using a dildo on the man. And so I said out of those two options, me wearing a strap-on, and like gyrating into a man versus me using a uh, dildo. I am much more open to the dildo because I don't feel as if it's putting me physically in a position that starts to make me feel uncomfortable. And that's just my own personal hang up. So I didn't, you know, it's, it, I, I think it's a hang up. I think it's a hangup. I just, just think it's a preference. I, I don't know. If it's, a, it's not a preference. It's a hang up. I'm like, I feel weird about this. So, um, but, that's, but again, I don't see that as negative necessarily. When you say mm-hmm. hang up, you make it yeah. sound like
1: you are limited by feeling this way. And I don't think you should put that extra thing on yourself. But that's... I mean, that's me. yeah. But for me, mm-hmm. I don't think I would have a problem with either scenario. Okay. Um, either one being dildo or, or strap-on. Strap right. I think I might want to try with a dildo first to right. see how to that goes and ease in, yeah. in the process. Right. Um... But, you know, catch me in the right mood and I like Uh to be in control and I like to have power and, you know, maybe that would, maybe that would do something for me. I don't know. I haven't tried it before. Uh Um, But if it's something that provides pleasure to my partner Uh and, you know, recognizing the biology of it, Uh you know, Uh then why not? I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't mean, so it means I'm willing to try, right? I don't know how I would feel if this was a regular occurrence. It has to happen every time. Right. But that's sort of part of that communication and, mm-hmm. and process of learning and, mm-hmm. and going through and experimenting mm-hmm. with your partner. So you don't think you'd
0: look at him any differently? No. You don't think so?
1: You've never had a partner that likes a little finger or something
0: up the ass? No, No. Mm. No. Okay. And I know a lot of, yeah, I know people say a lot of times, no, I think uh, it's fairly common. Uh No. I, I think okay. i know i okay. think for a different guy it's like a no zone and you know no entry zone so uh it definitely has not i guess come I, up. i've i've had it both ways right where men have been like you know wanted you know a thumb or a pinky or something mm-hmm. so, so okay, let's talk about that how does that come up is it you just like mm, ha, ha, ha and you're doing it or are they like hey can you sneak, can you do something? Like, how does that happen? So
1: I admit I like asses. Okay. Um, And so I tend to grab, touch okay. men's butts. But it's, yeah. I'm not usually in, my hands usually are not around the asshole. Right. Per se. Yeah, because um, I'm thinking, when does that but, really come up? Okay, But sometimes it comes up as like, oh, could you?
0: Like, okay. if my hands are squeezing there anyway. Right. right. Then the guy a bit is of like, like, hey, how about a finger? Okay. So, so the guy is articulating it. Yes. Yes. Yeah, no, that hasn't. And happen. I've yeah. definitely had men mm-hmm. put their fingers in my asshole, right,
1: unsolicited. Yeah, but guys are and guys are like a, that, right? And so that, yeah. yeah. So that's also. Yeah. So usually when I'm with somebody who has done that to me, you do I, it back. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> that's If somebody says it to you it's because they want you to do it back, that's, that's what you, you think.
0: Really believe that? Really. Yes, absolutely. Really absolutely
1: people do to others what they think what they think feels good to them.
0: Because that's how they understand it. I think so. That was Sam's hot take. (laughs) I'm thinking about this really hard, like wow, I never so you think people do things to you that they want done to them. Yep.
1: I had a man that could not get over my nipples. Uh Turned out he wanted his nipples sucked.
0: It was just a uh, thing. I gotta really look back and think <laughs> about this. <laughs> hmm. This is this is this is this is this is a thought. This is this is a thought. You just said something. Wow. Well so so guys because but that's that's kinda of juvenile though. I mean I feel like if you want something you should because that you know what I feel like that's juvenile in a way. Because just because you like something, it doesn't mean that that's you. To me, the purpose of sex and interactions Mm -hmm. with sex is to figure out and communicate what the other person likes. Mm -hmm. So I'm not supposed to be going in as almost selfish. Like, well, I like this. So if I do this to you, then you'll do it to me. Like, no, I I shouldn't Mm -hmm. be doing to you what I like. I I feel like I don't think it's for the purpose of getting it reciprocated. uh I think it's that you know what you like. And therefore, if you like it, maybe they'll like it. So you want to please them. So you try it, too. Guys like their ball suck. I don't have a fucking ball to suck, so I mean, what the fuck? Like that's that's. I mean, I don't know. I, I I think that I think that's. I think that's a little bit problematic. I really do because that's not how I ever think about sex. I never think, oh, I like this, so he you likes don't it it's too. do think
1: necessarily a starting
0: point. That I think about what I like first and do it to the person. No, I never think about. I never do. Ever. Um, I take from my, you know, I take from my files, I look back in my Rolodex in my mind, and I try to like implement what is, you know, what I think if I were to do like a sample set in the standard deviation of where you know where guys like statistics at yeah, the moment, the moment. Of, you know what generally do the male species that are heterosexual seem to like. And then I kind of go with that. And, and then I let them guide me are you're you're you know, disaggregating by race and but, age and all these things? Um, generally, yes. Yeah. And then, you know, I let I'm them best. guide me towards what they want. But I never think about, I like it. That's a weird to me. To me. I would never think that. Ever. Because it's not about me. It's about them.
1: Maybe I've just dated selfish
0: men. Maybe you dated selfish guys.
1: But I've never had a guy who, when I've said, this is my preference, yeah, do it. Right. So it's it's. I felt like it's been a starting point. Like, okay. If this is what I know, right? Because I know myself
0: the best, right? Maybe if I like it, somebody else would like it too. Oh, I don't know about this. That's I an don't... interesting line of thinking. So, but do you I think definitely... like that when you approach no. a guy? No. That's, that means he's selfish. He's fucking selfish. I swear.
1: Well, I mean, it didn't last, but.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he's selfish because I, I. that is a weird way to think about it because I feel like I'm very cognizant that each person has different desires. And I don't expect that my desire would be something that the guy would want. So my objective is to really find out what your desire is. I'm never like, well, I like that right, But in like doing things. so, in, in trying to
1: figure out what your desire is, yeah. you're trying a
0: number of things. And maybe you start with what's most comfortable or most close to what you like. I still think that's weird. I, I, I think that's weird. But again, I asked you if you do that. And you say you don't do it either. No, I don't. Yeah, these guys are fucking selfish. That's my conclusion. I think it's weird. I, I don't think it, it makes any sense. I personally don't think it makes any sense because I really feel like the underlying message is that you're just trying to get someone to reciprocate what you want. I don't think that I, I don't I don't think I, I think that's weird. I think it's weird. That's just me. Interesting. I've never even this has never crossed my mind. So this is why Sam's here. This is crazy. She has some interesting experiences. What the fuck? I think that's crazy. I'm like, really? Wow. Um, okay, so we just went down a little bit of a rabbit hole. I don't know. Um, that was for Peggy. Okay. That was from Peggy. Any other sexy talk? Anything else that you want us to talk about? We talked about Peggy. I don't think we really... That was like the main hot topic. We talked about rimming for a couple episodes, too. Nothing really. I had the, the pleasure to have an experience with that. Yeah, me neither, but we, we've talked about that. Uh, you should hear that episode. Oh, yeah, you should hear that episode. Because um, someone confesses that it, that it did yeah. happen to them. I you did I hear that. that one. You heard I it. Listen to the ones that you did. It. It, so yes. I heard the the pegging, Yes, I've heard that one. Yes, yes. But some of the more recent ones. Uh, yes, yes. Song, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we actually, we've actually gone really crazy. So you'll have to listen to them. We've gone to some really wild places with sexual things, like news articles, a guy who likes to put fruit in his wife's vagina before she goes to work and then comes home and he eats it later on because he likes it to be a little bit fermented. We've had yeah we've had yeah, she of, just drink juice? No, no. He wants it's the There's second like game. a second thing, right? Where you eat pineapple or you drink pineapple juice and you yeah. taste sweeter, right? I, I think that's a little bit of an urban legend. Like I think that's a little bit of a liberal but people say that I know in my twenties I was like, guys like, I'm gonna drink pineapple juice. But aren't you gonna get like an infection or something? That's what I thought, and a doctor in the article said know, not to keep that. it for longer than twelve hours, so you don't get toxic toxic shock syndrome. You know what you, you can get. get that from anything. Yeah, well, from your tampons, whatever. Right, no. of course, tampons. Yeah, so um, more than twelve hours. I thought it was like eight. Well, that was the article particularly said about the eight. fruits. You know, maybe the fruits better than you know, I don't know, cotton and chemicals. I don't know. Um. So yeah, she's like apples. I don't think and that's an absorbent. Uh, Anyway, yeah, random. So, like it's just interesting. A, yeah, we've talked about. I would have never considered that. Yes, yeah, listen, we've gone like. Across the gamut. Well, I had a him. guy ask if he could pee inside me once. Really? That was a hard no. So hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on I, I like one. to, you know, think about. Oh, I, I need to think about. I was, I was not so open-minded. I need about to that. think about this. That was so, a definite no. Pee play. So wait a minute. How can guys? Oh, this is a question. Can guys pee when they're hard? I feel like guys have a little bit of a. It's a little challenging when it's hard. Oh shit! When they're hard to um. Pee. I I am not going to confess to understand the male anatomy to that degree.
1: Uh-huh. Um, but it was. It was right after we had had sex
0: and he was like, can I, I was wanted to pee on me. Yeah. Pee not um, on me inside, like in. specifically inside. Okay. The thing. That makes sense. He already, he already came and then he wanted to do it. Right. Okay. Well, just as it makes more sense. Well, yeah, because wow. you can't have both of those. after I'm open, saying, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You can't do it at the same time. So after he comes, that he could do it. But men yeah. go to the bathroom in the middle. They're like, oh shit, I gotta pee. And they'll know, pee, but, and then they'll come back, and they'll still be hard. Yeah, but yeah, but a lot of times it's hard but to watch them. Yeah, if yeah, they yeah, have yeah, like yeah. you know they're like jiggling and doing, doing all you. types of crazy shit to try to shake get the leg. Pee. <laughs> yeah, to try to like a dog <laughs> to try to pee, right? Um, right. Wow. So okay, I want to talk. Sorry, I like to get into because I like to mad because I don't think of these things, so it starts to spark my imagination. Shouldn't do I? And I'm trying to figure out. How I how that would work? So actually, I just took out this damn screw. Anyway, so because he came already, is he gonna like aim? Like, because I feel like you're not. It's gonna be hard now, right? You're gonna be kind of soft, like more of a chubby. No, he was still inside me. So he came, and then he just wanted to immediately pee. Right. Yeah. Ah. Oh, Let me have that. Hold on. When did this, this conversation happen before sex or like in the moment? Oh no, in the moment.
1: In the he moment. came and then was like, "I want to pee inside you," and I was like, "No." And
0: and in. Like, wow! And then what did he say after that? Nothing. He, he just said. went to the bathroom to go pee, and then
1: he was like, "Oh, I'm sorry if that was, you know, a little." Wow. You know, whatever, and I was like, "Yeah, it was a little whatever," and I never talked about that. Was wow.
0: It. I was, I was a little bit done. Wow! I'm just thankful that he asked before that's he it. That's true, and thank God he didn't just thank do it. Thank God he just didn't do it. Yeah. Wow. Well, that, that's an that's experience. I mean, luckily, it wasn't the experience. But, right. uh, wow. Interesting. Okay, I have to ask. Is this a white guy? You don't want to disclose. I was in Japan at the time. I was there an was Asian a guy. Ooh, look at that. You know, that makes sense, too. Because, you know, Japanese they're like guys, are, they're, yeah, they're freaky deaky. What? Okay, look at that. It was a Japanese guy. Freaky deaky. Wow, shout out to the Asian dudes. Wow. Wow. But listen, you guys, I know shout out to Japanese people because very you know conservative culture, which I and actually I think I talked about this. I didn't release the episode yet, but um, I can't remember. I think it was with Slim we were talking about. Oh, we were talking about Indian guys, actually. And I was saying that a lot of times in very conservative cultures, people are very, like, kinky and, like, into, like, different sexual things that people may not think are, like, so vanilla. So, um, you know, yeah, shout they don't out. don't have an outlet for creativity, let's say. Yeah. It comes out in other areas. Wow. Can I pee on you? Shout out to the Japanese dude. Wow. 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 <laughs> Hentai. Come the fuck on. Hentai, motherfucker. Damn. Woo! Okay. Um, well, I think that's, you know, on his R. Kelly shit, that was enough. Um, so uh, I think we can move on in the Japanese R. Kelly and uh, move on to uh, non-sexual topics now. Uh, and You know, if we, we circle back to sex, that's fine. So uh, another episode that I did want your, your feedback on because I know you listened to it and, you know, Yes, you are my first white guest. (laughs) Let's keep it real. You are my first white guest. Not that I don't have other white guests. And some of you guys, you know, I've invited you and you listen. And you guys better fucking come on here, okay? Um, But you are, yeah, my first. And so I want you guys, let me also make a caveat. All my guests to date have not been black. Because you guys probably think, oh, she said, no, it doesn't mean that. It just means they've all been, I guess, whatever, people of color, different, whatever. But you're my first white guest. So shout out to you. Actually, I've been told I'm not white. Yeah, you're white. This is a little bit questionable. It's debatable. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit. It depends where you are. It depends. Growing up, I definitely thought I was white. Yes. Okay, so why don't we talk about that? We'll just switch over to that right now. <laughs> so let's explain your background and in, in, in how... Who told you that maybe you're not white? Go ahead. Um, an ex-boyfriend of mine. Well, you did, first of all. I did too, but go ahead.
1: And an ex-boyfriend of mine who told me very recently we... Um, when I'm in the States, we occasionally will meet, grab lunch, catch up, make sure lives
0: are good, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, Wait, do I know this person? Yes. Okay, got it. The person I think it is. Okay. Yes. Who's on the same background? Yes. Okay. And he uh, said that. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. He knew. I didn't know. Oh! Okay, come on. Go. Keep telling me. i the only me. one who didn't know. Tell me. Keep going.
1: So. Um, Tell me more. Yeah. So, yeah. So, my mm-hmm. family is a mix of religions. Um and by proxy ethnicity being that um, the, my father's side of the family is Jewish, mm-hmm. and come to find out here
0: I am, mm-hmm. you know, old well, enough but, that I should know. <laughs> but your mom though is um, is not my mom is Christian. Yeah, but your mom's like super white though. Like to me, like Utah, like like that's not white yo. That's but like. But my mom was born in Ohio. I know, but just a fact that good little Midwesterners. Yeah, yeah, the super like the super white, yeah i'm just saying so yeah it's i know she is okay but, but we're talking about the various degrees of whiteness right now right so so basically yeah. you know if you are typically people of middle eastern
1: descent regardless of whether you're jewish muslim christian whatever they don't consider themselves white and this was sort of a new realization for me and what's particularly amusing about it is that i just came from living in iraq right um, and while I just dis- did not disclose my religion as being Jewish or any religion for that matter, but thing. it just didn't, it never occurred to me, mm-hmm. um, that I would not be considered white right?
0: or that that was a thing right. growing up in the U S in, in Michigan, in the Midwest, um, right. But see, that's interesting to me because I told you a story. This recently came up. We've been friends for a long time, and this actually never really came up before. No, but
1: it was I, this summer. This thing came up this, yeah, this summer. this all came
0: up this summer. I'm a grown-ass woman. like. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, wait, I just learned. And I was like, it. I could take a different box? <laughs> uh, it just, yeah, it's – um. I told you a story of when I was in college. I had read – you guys. I haven't read this book in a long time, so everyone read it. It was, I think, the autobiography of uh, – Alice Walker's daughter, maybe? Or it was Alice Walker? And I remember the name of the book is Black, White, and Jewish. So I remember I was reading it, and I was working at, you know, this company at the time. And I was telling my coworker, who is a WASP, like, white, Anglo-Saxon, Protestant woman, about um, the book. I was like, yeah, it's about this woman's daughter. You know, she's a black lady, and she married a Jewish guy. And then her daughter's writing about her experience as being black, white, and Jewish. And then my WASP coworker was like, well, who's white? I was like, what? She's like, well, I don't understand. You told me her dad was Jewish and her mom's black. She's like, so where's the white part? And I was like, oh. (laughs) I was like, oh. But it it wasn't an unfamiliar concept with me Mm -hmm. um, for just different reasons. I know that, you know, whiteness changes. There's like a, it's changed over time. And so like at the one, at one point, Irish people weren't considered white. And if you look at them, like they're like the whitest people in the world, but they weren't considered white, right? right. And so whiteness has changed over time. And we we're talking about civil rights and a lot of people who are Jewish and grew up in the South had, you know, problems growing up, uh, you know, and they have benefited li- greatly from the civil rights movement because, it, you know, they were ostracized a lot of times in like, you know, mm-hmm. waspy, you know, Southern America. So...
1: And that's something yeah.
0: that like, I had never heard about it Yeah. And was not familiar with, even yeah. though...
1: You know my my familial background is jewish right and so it was just a whole new sort of like yeah realization or you know debate and
0: thought process you know that we yeah. discussed and went through to sort right. of be like wait a second what right um so it was very interesting so what did he say what did your ex-boyfriend say i'm curious what he said because he's yeah he's he said very he, jewish right but he said it as a, it was so matter of fact he was like what do you mean you don't know this
1: well, how did it come up no, I need to? And projects. I mean, we were like active in Hillel together in yeah. college, like yeah. the whole thing. And yeah. then it was like, it was like, well, why didn't you tell me earlier? Wait, so <laughs> how did it come up that like a white conversation? No, and because I, you and I had had the conversation. Oh, because we had. It. And so I asked him, oh. being
0: like, you know, okay, I'm Jewish. Yes, yes, because he's like you know Jewish authority. Yes, okay. And then and then what did he say? And he was like, of course. Oh wow. Okay. And you were like, what? And I was like, oh. This is new to me. It's, yeah, like, it, so it's, it, it's um, you know, truth be told, I think... I felt a little bit... <laughs> no, like, Jewish people have been given a pass for whiteness, but depending on the context and the circumstance, sometimes you may not feel it. You know, maybe sometimes they may, it can be... Uh, because you can be discriminated against for it, that you're less white? No, I mean, no, not necessarily. I mean, I think there are a couple of things. Like, first of all, we can all say... You know, we can say that race is a social construct, mm-hmm. period. And so, whiteness, blackness, everything is a social construct. And because Absolutely. of that, that's how people can people want to differentiate that you're different, right? Yeah, right. And it, because it, it's a construct, it changes. So even some people will sure. say that you know, with the next fifty years, Asian Americans will fit into the white construct because of their experience in America. Because um, to yeah, interesting. yeah very interesting if you go to have things. some asian american friends who i'm not sure would agree with that yeah who wouldn't right but when people are often saying about like white privilege versus you know discrimination a lot of people will often say that asian americans are afforded you know as a mild minority afforded certain like they're right adjacent okay so i would say right now in america people might say that a lot of it now let's be clear asian americans It's a very diverse community, right? When we're talking about... So everyone is in wide-adjacent real talk. I know that for a fact. Um, And if you look at the different... You know, if you look at a lot of Southeast Asians, um, depending on it, or not necessarily doing as well as some certain East Asians, and then people from the Indian subcontinent... It's it's a lot of nuance Mm -hmm. to this because it's a bunch of people glumped together, right? However, um, a lot of times people do say that Asian Americans in America have white adjacent privilege. Now there's still the like bamboo ceiling and there are different things, different barriers to entry. Girl, listen, bamboo ceiling, yes. Where you can be very I'm um, making faces over yeah, here. Yeah, listen. I'm learning things. Yeah. Bamboo, I've never so, heard that yeah, before. Yeah, bamboo ceiling. That is where Asian Americans are, you know, deemed the model minority, do well in school, get into this you know, get into, you know, get good jobs, all the stuff. However, there's still a line of discrimination where you're not able to rise to the top leadership positions, mm-hmm. so there's still a bamboo ceiling, um, where despite having all of the credentials and having done everything right, you still can't fully surpass the systematic, you know, racism <laughs> sure. or whatever. So there's a bamboo ceiling, um, and you know, so it, it's fluid. All of these things are fluid. So I think at one point, maybe 75 years ago, Jewish people weren't like, "It's like, nah, you're not white." Um, and depending on where you are and the context, mm-hmm. people may or may not see. Now, and then, and me growing up in the Northeast, you know, I grew up mostly with Italians and Jews. They're totally white, but depending on those same Italians and Jews, if they grew up someplace else in the in the states, may not have been considered white. So, it, right. you know, it's right. a, the, the context and the time. Well, and that's what I find interesting is because he grew up in a in a very
1: similar area. To yeah, he did. He lived near me. Yeah, right. And and he clearly recognized that. Like, no. Not white. Right. And me in in Michigan with right. a much smaller right you know, Jewish population there right. grew up thinking, well of course I'm
0: white. What right. do you mean? Right, right. So what does he consider himself? Like he's he's like, I'm just Jewish and Jewish is just non white or Jewish. What's he
1: saying? Yeah, I I think he would he would say non white. Okay. Right. But I didn't ask him, you know, how he ticks his boxes. Right. Right. You know, in terms of actual,
0: yeah. you know, demographics yeah. and whatnot. It's confusing. It's interesting. It's confusing because I know uh, from the US Census perspective, Middle Eastern people are considered white on the on the US Census. And I remember I read an article of and, and that actually was all cool until nine eleven, which is fucked up. That actually was really good until nine eleven and then it became problematic.
1: Right, but then this is where I get confused because if you say you're of Middle Eastern descent, I mean yeah. I guess if you go back yeah. enough generations, mm-hmm. eventually my family would get there. But, like, the family that we know on our, our documents and our papers coming over to the U.S., mm-hmm.
0: you know, from Eastern Europe. Right. Central and Eastern Europe. I mean, Ashkenazi, right? So, right. And yeah. so,
1: to me, it's like Middle Eastern is a bit of a stretch. I've got to go back, you know, twice as many generations to right. get there. And I can't prove it anyway. Right. You know,
0: so how do you... But then I guess the question To me, is that then, seems a little... So then this is a different question I would ask. So then why do a lot of Ashkenazi Jews consider themselves to be Eastern? Because would not be more Sephardic Jews?
1: Um, no, it's just Sephardic Jews and Ashkenazi Jews settled in different areas in the world. Right, so a lot of
0: uh, Sephardic Jews are in the Middle East, you know? No, that means, no. They, okay, okay, there's Sephardic, no. there Sephardic Jews in America. There's Sephardic Jews in Latin America. I, I know that for a Right, time. but Sephardic Judaism, they are people that settled, so
1: after leaving Israel, right, they settled in Spain, Spain, Portugal, Portugal yes. and then eventually migrated down to, to South America, Latin America, yes. Argentina, Correct. all these places. There's very large Jewish populations Correct. there. They're all Sephardic Jews. The traditions are similar between them, even if they were in Spain versus Argentina. Yes.
0: They yes. speak um, but those, what no But
1: if those yes. people then immigrated yeah. back to Israel, right, then those would be people who follow Sephardic traditions. Right. But those who were
0: in Israel and never left. Right. I'm not sure. I don't know. Well, I'm not even talking about Israel. How that would work. So, like, there are, like, Iranian Jews. You know, there are yeah. people, you know, there are people in other Middle Eastern countries who are of Jewish descent. And I would say, to be
1: honest, yeah. I wouldn't know how they would classify themselves and if they fit into those classifications. I don't know if the prayers and melodies... Right. Because, honestly, the only real difference between Sephardic and Ashkenazi mm-hmm. are the, the, the melodies in which you sing. Mm-hmm. The prayers are the same. The... The Hebrew is the same. Right. So what I don't know is is what they do in those areas or what they would have done. You right. know, all the Iraqi Jews that fled Iraq, for example, right. I can I know a little bit more about that right. particular country because I right. used to live there. So I honestly don't know mm-hmm. how they practice and how that fits into this
0: separation of diaspora. Right. Um, but the Iraqi Jews, were they Ashkenazi? or were they? Started? So this is what I'm saying. You I don't, don't know. actually know. Okay. And my from my knowledge a lot of the ones who were in it are still, are, were Sephardic. So, um, because a lot of no the Ashkenazi idea. Jews really settled more in Europe.
1: Um, but see, I don't, what I don't, this is where, I don't think mm-hmm. that Ashkenazi and Sephardic started in the Middle East and moved. Mm-hmm. I think that Ashkenazi developed when, after people emigrated and were already in Eastern Europe. Yes, correct. correct. So, and so same thing with Sephardic. So mm-hmm. if you were in Spain and the community there, this mm-hmm. is how... Judaism evolved and mm-hmm. the prayers evolved and the melodies evolved mm-hmm. in which you sing and you chant the prayers. Right. So to me I'm not sure that Iraqi or 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 Persian Argentina. or or Jews outside of what is now Israel right how their traditions mm-hmm. would fit in if they do or not. Okay. Because it's about how things evolved over time. Mm-hmm. So they may be practicing in a way that is much more um, unique or, or not unique, but more similar to the way it was originally before yes. people emigrated to Europe and, right. and South America and these, and these places. Right, right. It may be a more traditional or, or intact right. form right. rather than Ashkenazi and Sephardic. Right. I just, to be honest, I'm yes. not an expert exactly. in that. I don't, I don't want to pretend to yes. be.
0: No problem. No, problem. so yeah, you guys are like, what would this whole Jewish rabbit hole? And Sorry, why you why know, there's you know going be this. one
1: person who knows more than me about Judaism and is gonna? <laughs> I mean, there'll
0: so, like why, why do know you about Listen, listen, I can sing you guys lots of Jewish, uh, you know, songs from <laughs> I from elementary school. Don't ask. This is this is the New York, New Jersey experience. <laughs> so that's what it is. But um, yeah, it is. So depending, uh, you know, at the same token, in America, Jews have white privilege. So you, by default, it's like yes. You're right, but I do think there are times and experiences where maybe Jews feel like, and, and not in recent times, but like I said, in the civil rights time, definitely. Now I think it's fine, but again, I don't know because I grew up in a place where you know a very large Jewish population. I don't know if I if, if I if you if you had grown up in like a hick town, and I'm not trying to sh- I'm not trying to. Just the South Slim, okay, but I'm just saying, where you're in the Bible Belt of the country, things are different, you know? And so I don't know what that would look like and what that experience would look like. And it, it, it depends on the time period, too, right? Because, you know, things have changed a lot over the last, you know, 34 years. Right. So, um... Yeah, that's interesting. So, did you ask your dad? You should ask your dad. <laughs> I mean, did you ask your dad? And he's like, "Yeah, we're totally white." Like, what? I don't know. No, I didn't actually. Okay. I should ask him. Yeah, just like you know, it's um, I mean, the other thing too. Yeah, maybe I'll uh, send a message. <laughs> yeah, the other thing yeah, too. I you know, I wonder because like we're saying, race as a, as a social construct, right? But I think what also sometimes can distinguish a Jewish person from like a traditional like WASP is that people can maybe look and say like, hey, you don't have a waspy look. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that sometimes classifies someone as other, which is the same thing as like, um, depending on certain like Italians, like it's like, or like Greeks or Mediterranean people, like, can you pass? You know, I think a lot of it comes down to passing. Like, can you, you know, and passing is like, will people look at you? And when they see you, can they do they see a white person or do they see something else i mean i think that's what a lot of times it comes down to sure you know even black people there are black people who can pass like do you see a white person or do you see not depending on how like fair skin yeah. they are stuff like that so i think okay. that depends like do you look like a shiksa which i've heard people say mm-hmm. like if you look like a shiksa look you guys wear no stuff i need a, i need a jewish husband okay <laughs> if you look like a shiksa if you look like uh like a, a gentile <laughs> essentially like uh then you me? know um like blonde hair that then you, you can pass right um i mean i don't yeah. have a particularly strong jewish look i don't think
1: most people i think don't think of that when they see me mm-hmm. um
0: but if i do disclose it people are like ah oh, yeah and then they're like i see it now but you can find it i always find amusing but when i see your sisters i'm like yeah those are like but my Middle sisters, Eastern. no,
1: my sisters have no Middle I, I didn't, Does let I me finish line?
0: this, I wasn't, let me finish this sentence. What? sorry. As I say, when I see your sisters, I'm like, yeah, there's some, you know, corn-fed, yes, yes, there's some <laughs> corn-fed Midwestern, okay. Midwestern girls, okay? Those are some, you know, Americana, okay? That makes more sense. Yes, yes. Yeah, but then when I see your brother, and you're like, yeah, I see a little spice. Yeah, my so, brother looks, I think, more than me. Yes, yes. yes. So it's like, you well, can to see. To be fair, both
1: of his parents are
0: Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Correct. So I'm just saying, but you can see it. So when people can see it, uh, that's where they can like kind of give that distinction. And that's where like certain Italians and stuff like that, where they kind of look swarthy, if you will, then people will, you know, say, why did you give me that look? What was that look for? I don't give looks. You totally gave me a look. Samantha gives me a look. You totally gave me a look. Uh, Swarthy. Um yeah, you know, people sometimes may question their whiteness, like, oh, are you Latino, or are you blah, 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 and then, you know, and, and I know some people who are Italian who say they're not white, which is interesting, too. Right. Well, yeah. and I've heard, having spent some time in Europe,
1: that Europeans don't consider Italians and Greeks and Correct. Southern Europeans white either, Yeah,
0: which I find interesting as well. Yeah, because um, I, I can't remember, my dad used to tell me this saying, but from, like, the British Empire, oh, I think they said that Africa begins below some line in France, so yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's below France. Exactly. Yeah, Africa believes it's below yeah. France. Yeah. Exactly so, yeah, so it's like when yeah, uh, my, father. yeah. The, my dad's like a history buff, so it's um a year from Spain, Portugal, and you know, and also it's also the history the Moors rule Spain for over seven hundred years. It's a lot of different things. So um, look, you guys, Gwendo stuff. Just so you know, Gwen doesn't only talk about black shit. Fuck you. Okay. <laughs> this is, this is me. Gwen is worldly okay you guys think I already talk about black shit I know a lot of stuff um, okay so we talk, We just went through a whole like Jewish diaspora thing let's take it back to black shit I just said I was talking like, about black shit Well, let's take it back to black shit so the episode I wanted to get your feedback on though was um angry black woman okay so for this episode you're white okay <laughs> know, right. and so there has
1: to be like some kind of disclaimer right? so, um, like, that's just it i'm
0: white forgive me yeah she's white today okay on this podcast she's white but we we'll fluctuate sometimes i'll say she's less sometimes terrible it depends depends how it feels whatever it works right whatever i yeah. had a, i
1: think
0: a fairly typical white experience mm-hmm. growing up in the us yes
1: um so i don't remember everything about the episode as i listened to. to it quite a long time ago but yeah my feeling was that, and I don't remember her name. Gail, my cousin. Yes, yes. your cousin Gail. So I felt like her attitude mm-hmm. and really held her back. Mm-hmm. Held her back how? So I, and,
0: and we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. so forgive me if I'm muddling no, it's fine. the podcast versus our conversation. No, so let me, me give some context a little bit about the okay. episode to help jog your memory. So this was a, this was, this was a while back. This was like probably episode six. So it was a while ago, my cousin, Gail, her friend, August. And we were talking about just in general education, whether or not it's going to help for open mobility for black people, especially considering the amount of student loans. And then it ended up, you know, the the student loan debt people have and whether or not it's uh, worth, you know, the opportunity cost doesn't make enough sense. That's how the conversation began that way. Towards the end, we started talking more about uh, when you are very, education, very educated as a black person, are you able to advance in your career? And my cousin Gail was saying that no matter how educated you are, no matter how nice you are to white people, no matter what you do, they're always going to see you as a nigger. They're always going to see you as a black bitch. And no matter what you do, they're never gonna see you equally and basically fuck them. (laughs) Basically fuck them because uh, there's nothing that she can really do to stop people Mm -hmm. from being racist. That was kind of her thing. And I was saying in the episode that you gotta take a different approach. I think culturally, now at this point, I've said it through multiple conversations with different people that American society is not always a meritocracy. And you have to be aware of that. And because it's not always a meritocracy, a lot of your interactions with people, including white people, are going to have mm-hmm. to be based on likability. Mm-hmm. And so if you just want to put your head down and if you have the attitude where you're just like, well, they're racist, they don't care. Like if you do that, I think it becomes a self-defeating prophecy. And I understand <laughs> exactly. that it's i understand it's frustrating. And listen, this, is, this comes up in so many episodes. Even the last episode, my cousin Jay, when we were talking about the World Cup, which is another story, but I know people are tired of having to feeling like black people are tired of feeling like they have to explain themselves to white people Mm -hmm. or explain their experience. So that is where I think the frustration for my cousin is because truth be told, Mm -hmm. every black person agreed with her and they understood what I said, but they really Mm -hmm. agreed with her sentiment. And I said that it is just one of these disappointment. I don't think that's the right way to approach it. So okay. I hope that y'all can so, Sure. And I yeah. that has brought up like actually multiple comments and, and thoughts
1: in my head. So the first one speaking of your cousin Gail, mm-hmm. my feeling is that if your attitude is, well, well, fuck it. yeah, If that's your attitude, regardless of what color you are, mm-hmm. that's not the right attitude in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not doing yourself any favors having that attitude mm-hmm. um, regardless. And right. then given that you already have, you know, a taller ladder to climb, so to speak, given the systems that we have, Mm -hmm. again, you're not doing yourself any services. You're not helping yourself to climb that ladder. Mm -hmm. Even, you know,
0: you're, it's like, you're starting from even lower. She thinks it doesn't make a difference. She's like, she just feels like you're ready the bottom of the totem pole. And, but there are plenty of examples
1: and not certainly not enough examples, but there are plenty Mm -hmm. of examples, yourself included Mm -hmm. where people, are able to climb the ladder mm-hmm. and people are able to succeed in a system mm-hmm. that, that is pitted against you right. and makes your life more difficult, right. you know? And, and so for me, it's it interesting that it's not able to get past those negative attitudes to see that there are other options right. and that it, you know, I always, th- maybe this is just me, but I always feel like when you're, when your opinion is, on a zero to 100 scale, if you're in the zero to 10 or you're in the 90 to 100, Mm -hmm. you're probably not in the right place because nothing is an extreme. And so when you live in the extremes, you're not able to get out of that mentality, out of that thought process to actually see where the rest of the world is. Um, And that I don't think it's helpful to you, you know, in any of these cases. Um, I can give you an example, you know, in my own life where, you know, I am very direct Mm -hmm. and, my tone gets away from me which basically means that I don't always control it well enough you yeah. know mm-hmm. and and so let me own that mm-hmm. and that has created challenges in the workplace for me yeah. you know and in a in an area where you know I am white I have the privilege right. but and but yet have, that still is a setback but I will say so this if though. you're adding if you're but adding I mean, that I mean, attitude to already having to not
0: having any privilege But I will say this: No, but I want to counter your own example. Okay, fair. If you were a man, do you think you'd be getting that same feedback about your tone? No, probably not. Right, and that is the issue my cousin has. So the issue. But those are two different things. And then, so what? Why is it two different things? Well, so we're we're. It's gender. The thing is that what is the thing that is being held against you? Right, right. Your tone is being. If you were a man, no one would make the comment of your tone because men are, are allowed to be right. direct. Mine is not a bad attitude in the workplace. Yeah.
1: Mine is not a fuck it attitude. Right. Mine is a work
0: hard, be proactive. But she doesn't have a fuck it. She doesn't care have, she about wants, that, you know. She still has that. She, she didn't say fuck it to... She didn't say fuck it to the workplace. That's okay. what she's saying. My cousin has two master's degrees. She wrote her PhD. She's not saying fuck it. Okay. So this is a person who's very well educated, who's a hard worker okay. doing well for herself. So she's just saying, why do I need to be nice to people if it's not going to get me anywhere? She says that being nice is not going to make a difference. Um, So she's just going to be herself. So the same way when you're saying you're like being direct and then you may want to like change it to, you know, because of feedback that she's like, fuck it, what's the difference? You're always going to find something to hold against me. So I'm just going to be me. That's what she's saying. But then I guess you have to
1: decide what you want more. Right. Do you want to move forward in your career more, regardless of what the reasons are that people are are holding you back? Right. You have to make a decision. Do you want to be authentically you in the workplace? Or do you want to censor yourself and Mm -hmm. play by the rules that you've been given Mm -hmm. in
0: order to move forward? And that's then a choice that you're making. Right. And she thinks that even if you play by the rules, they'll change rules on you so it doesn't make a difference because the system is just set up for you not to, to move ahead. But that's... she has a point. I, I agree, but that's in
1: some ways that's politics and that's part of the game mm-hmm. and that can happen regardless. Right. You get a different manager. A different mm-hmm. manager wants things done different ways right. and has different expectations and, yeah. you know, makes you jump through different hoops. Right. And so I don't want to belittle the racial issue because it's there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't want to belittle the gender issue because it's there. Mm-hmm. But but you also can't say that you have no part in the process. Mm-hmm. You're actively making a choice mm-hmm. of which is more important to you. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. That's your choice to make. Mm-hmm. But then don't be angry when things don't work out that you're not getting accelerated up the ladder. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Nobody
0: can, I think. Yeah, and I agree. And people are like, when you're such a sellout, but no, I'm not. And you guys, I've heard, I've said this in too many episodes. I said I in too many episodes, I said it in Angry Black Woman. I said it in BAU with I, I, Jay and I just alluded to it in Niggas in Paris. That was like, we, we, I've alluded to this in several episodes that you have to play the game. And I know the game is tiring. And I've also said that academia does not set you up for the game. Okay. Because Absolutely. when you go to school, school is a meritocracy. You get the best grade. Da, da, da. I also said, when you come from an immigrant background, you think that, okay, I just need to go to school and then my work will speak for itself. And then they're going to reward me based on my hard work and my achievements and my accolades. And I said that it's not American culture. So I think it's a twofold fold I think that Black culture in general, which is, I think, more keeping it real, da-da-da-da, and I think also immigrant culture as well, and academia, these three things do not prepare you for the business world in which these stakes are against you as being, you know, being a minority, being a woman, being LGBT, anything, all the things that are against you, they don't prepare you for the political game you have to play, and I know that it is very hard to swallow who you are because you're like, why am I doing this for people who don't even like me? But what I say is that I think it's finding a balance of how you can be your authentic self, but also play the game at the same time. That's my advice. I'm very much my authentic self, but then I also know when to play the game. So there are times where I do, listen, I have the same tone issue, okay? But I also know, how to follow my source. Sometimes I bark and then I turn around right away and I go apologize, okay? And I'm like, I'm sorry, Da You know, I didn't mean like that. I kind of make amends with people because I realize too when it's going to be taken that way. You know, and today, for example, I was on a call and I did bark, but you know what? They were happy that I barked because everyone else was too scared to do it. And so I think it's just a question of being comfortable with yourself and not holding all this resentment inside towards people anticipating what you think they're going to do. Like, don't anticipate what you right. think they're going to do. Give them a chance to show you that they're going to do it. Right. And why assume that people aren't really your friends? Like, if
1: they're kind to you or they want to hang out or whatever the case may be, that, that you can't build friendships in the workplace. I feel like that was part of that conversation as yeah. well.
0: Yeah, it was. Yeah.
1: Um, and that... You know, there was sort of this. Oh, I don't need any friends. Yeah, mentality. Yeah, yeah. and my thinking is like, well, shit. Especially in the workplace, you yeah. need all fucking friends and yes, allies. Yeah, I, I get. agree. It's,
0: it's, um, yeah, it's a game of survivors. like. three sixty reviews suck. Yes. yes. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And they're gonna come back, and they're gonna have feedback. Yeah.
1: Um, and so sometimes those small things that
0: you dismiss quite casually or easily come back and and bite you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. have to. It's a, the corporate America is a game of survivor. You need to have alliances. And if you think that you can be on your own island by yourself and survive as a black person, as a woman, good luck with that. It's just not set up that way. And so if you're so busy fighting because well, I want to be on my own island and left alone. Well, you'll be left alone, not going anywhere. And you guys hate my message. And I, I continue to say it because. It's just the fact. It's just the game. And Jay did say that in that last episode too. He understands that. So um, I hope you guys take that. And I hate that I preach this, but I just feel like especially well-educated women, black women, you, you're, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage because yes, the stereotype is already that you're angry, that you're getting And I get it. You're absolutely right. People are going to think what they're going to think. But you don't want to inadvertently reinforce those. That's all I'm saying. And not that you can control people's opinions. I get that. You can't. But I do think that connecting, trying to connect on a personal level helps. So, yeah. I mean, that's networking 101, yeah? For real. That is networking one. Seriously. Okay. Um, You know what? I'm looking through this list, and we kind of jumped around. So we talked about how we know each other. We talked about angry black woman, let's talk about something else. Cause I don't, I might want to split this into two episodes, but I think we can still kind of talk and we talk about your identity that came up earlier than I thought. Um, so another thing, since you're, you know, here you are a white fly on the wall. <laughs> Sorry. Um, what did you think about cause you mentioned this briefly. I, I believe it was a Jamaican judgment episode with my cousin Chinese. And then after that, later on, Slim came on was upset about it. Um, hearing about the different tensions or the different, I don't know, relationships of the subcultures within the Black community, right? So there's African American, right. there's like Caribbean, there's people who are actually from Africa and, you know, there's Afro-Latinos too. Right. So, and you, so after you should say, you've lived in Africa I have. Um, so, like, hearing that from... What did you think? What's your feedback? What did you think about all that? So, it's interesting
1: because I was not so aware of the subcultures. I think I was more so between Africans coming and living in the U.S. and, you know, compared to African-Americans mm-hmm. writ large. Right, right. Um, but not so much, you know, understanding the dynamics within the African-American community, the Caribbean versus... Um, I don't even know how I
0: would...
1: Afro-Latinos? Afro-Latinos, yeah. you know, that whole yeah. um, split. So that was a very interesting conversation for me to hear and just learn Yeah. yeah. Um, about that. And then, what's the name of this show that I've just been watching? Oh, Dear White People. <laughs> Dear White People. So um, mm-hmm. I threw that on today, yeah. you know, as background noise and then sort mm-hmm. of got caught up and, mm-hmm. and showed. And I was like, wow, you know, there's mm-hmm. so many different subcultures yeah. within this community yeah. um, and I think this is something that's completely lost mm-hmm. on, everybody. on everybody like yeah. yeah like I had no idea complete yeah. complete ignorance um, of it and so um, it was just interesting to learn mm-hmm. about and and to hear different perspectives about yeah. it um, yeah. particularly I think in this climate where immigration is such a, a heated topic yeah. and then having this sort of more recent immigrant family versus those that have been here for generations and sort of the, the push for, you know, for making it and specifically economically making it, whether it be through education, getting multiple jobs, sort of that, that push for the American dream versus I'm, I'm so maybe this is, I don't know, feeling depressed in that, you know, how do I get out from under this rock that, that my family has been under for generations. Right um and sort of the complacency yes. with it yes um so it's just all very interesting to me to learn um and and yes um so yeah i guess i've been living abroad so long that i forgot about my own, <laughs> my own. it's interesting what you learn going overseas right. versus you know i've chosen to invest and spend time overseas yeah. versus you know every time i come back to the states it's right. like a little bit of a culture shock right um and sometimes in a really great way um, in terms right. of like technology and right. seeing what's new and, mm-hmm. you know, pop culture, catching up with music and movies yeah. and all of that's really fun. Right. And then there's also sort of the really depressing political side sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, you see on the news overseas what's happening with, you know, the police and and yeah. shooting, you know, black citizens. And mm-hmm. you're like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Um, and you come back and just the you know the the feeling in the country is just mm-hmm. a really sad one at the moment, mm-hmm. and not a very hopeful feeling. I at least that's what I've gotten since I've been home.
0: Oh is it's white people. <laughs> it's like, it's white people who are sad. What is what's going
1: on? Yeah, just a lot of unhappiness, feeling okay. of you know uncertainty okay. and um, disgust, and more polarization across yeah you know, the country and yeah, and it's just it's a little disheartening and a little sad to see, you know, when you come home so infrequently Yeah, that this yeah. is, you know, yeah, this is the messaging and, and, and the feeling of the country. But, um, but yeah, I learned a lot from those episodes and I found it very interesting.
0: But so, okay. So you lived in Africa in sub-Saharan Africa. What were like when you were there, did they ever talk about black people or American, African-Americans? Like did, did it ever come up? Because, um, you know, my biggest thing I said is that, you know, the problem is that the images, is, yeah, the images of black people are predominantly African American images. So people worldwide just basically have the perspective that all black people are African American, or there are like Save the Children ads with, you know, starving children in Africa. Um, and that's it. Like, those are like the only two black experiences you see. You see ghetto African Americans in the media, blah, 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 or, you know, basketball players, athletes. Okay, in rappers and singers, mm-hmm. um, or save the children, be the children, Africa. Uh, you know, you know, donate money. Like that's right. all you see in the media in terms of the Black experience. Um right. and, and this is yeah, a problem. Right,
1: and this is a huge problem. Yeah,
0: not just, like you don't see me. Like you don't see me, right. whose parents are not American, but I grew up. With, like I don't exist at all. That's why I have this podcast. But, but not just so, you don't exist. Not just because your parents are.
1: Caribbean yeah you know immigrants but you also don't exist because you are you know a successful black woman in the corporate workplace right like that doesn't exist either in those messaging so you have sort of that and those two things may be connected
0: maybe yeah yeah you know but okay they are but that's fine (laughs) but either way both of those images don't exist yeah yeah um and
1: so it's interesting because what you've talked about is sort of facing both directions. One yeah. facing in, in terms of facing what is American blackness, yeah. if you will. Yes. And then the other is facing sort of what is African or sub-Saharan yes. African. Yes. And what does that look like? Right. Um, and, and what do they think of the images they see? Like, So uh, to be honest, um, I don't know a lot about what about Africans think about... Yeah. About African-Americans. Yeah, they want to
0: talk to you about that. Um, they want
1: talk to me about that. <laughs> if right in ahead. the U.S. Yeah. I had
0: No, when you were there. No, 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 no. Because there was a black British girl. Yes, this of, is exactly yeah, what a black
1: about. British girl. There was a black British girl. Yes.
0: I want to say she was one, I want to say her
1: mother was British and her father's American. She grew up in the, in part at least, in the States. Okay. Um, and her mom was now living in the U.S. And we were talking about news sources. I remember the story And this is the only story that I feel like is really relevant. Um, and I don't even know if I can do it justice, justice after all these years. But So this conversation took place in South Sudan. Right. So in sub-Saharan Africa and East right. Africa. Um, and she was saying that... Um, I don't even know if I can really say what she was saying, to be honest. So it was something to do with BBC, BBC yes. and BBC being you know, an accessible news source. And this is where people get their news. Mm-hmm. And I said, I didn't think that that was an accurate reflection of the majority of Americans, mm-hmm. whether they're African Americans or mm-hmm. white Americans, anybody. Mm-hmm. Right. To me, BBC as an international news source already puts it at a, at a significant disadvantage over mm-hmm. American news sources. Right. Um forget political views and Mm -hmm. political spectrums aside Mm -hmm. and that most Americans are getting their news sources from the local news, right? right? Your, your five o'clock news at Mm -hmm. home or your 11 o'clock news, Mm -hmm. whether it's on channel four or channel Mm seven, you know, it's Fox news. It's, you know, maybe they're watching CNN and that's the vast majority of Americans. Mm -hmm. Um, And she argued with me and, and made me, I came out of the discussion feeling
0: like... No, oh, but there was a piece. Sorry. A piece of that argument, though, was that you're like, well, since most Americans don't watch it, Black people are not watching it either. That was the piece of it. Yeah, Right.
1: Yeah. And and her response was that, well, my mother watches it, and I said, well, I don't think your mother is a typical American. Right, right. At the end of the day. Right. Um, and my, my reason for saying that is not because the average black person and the average white people are different and they listen right. or watch different news sources, right. but rather so little of America has an international experience. Right. What is it? What 20, less than 20, 20, 30% Passport. have passports, yeah, yeah. let alone are going to be familiar enough yeah. with a news source right. to be watching BBC. Right, um, You know, and so it just didn't, it doesn't resonate. Right. But you I know. feel like she called you racist. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, she like she called you racist, and that's how I felt. What well, did she say? It or did she not say it? No, she she never called me
0: racist. Okay, she she racist. may have said like, she maybe she did. I think she called you racist. She yes, may she have. She did call you racist, and, <laughs> and I was, and I took a step back, and I was. She called this. you racist. I remember this. I was like, <laughs> yeah, she called you racist. She called me racist. Yes.
1: And I took a step back, and I was like, is this racist You know, like, is that what racism yeah, is? And I was yeah. like, well, I mean, we can talk about the actual definition of the structure yeah, and all yeah, of that, yeah. that but. But at the end of the day, I was like, I asked a couple of people, yourself yes, included, yes. and okay, I was like, man, yes. "What did I do? Kidding. Did I do something? I right. want to understand." Right. Because to me, the entire it was completely lost on me the racism yes. component. Right. Um, African Americans are a subset yeah. of American Americans, right? And a what? Twenty percent of the population? Oh, not 13 percent, thirteen percent yeah. of the population. Oh, yeah. So even if every single yeah. African American right. is watching fucking BBC, it's still a minority. Yes. And yes. and I didn't go that far and right. say that. Right. But I did take a step back and was like, oh shit. Because right. I wanted to know, like, is my thinking, am I missing something? Right. But I still don't think I am.
0: <laughs> so, no, no, you didn't. And I told you because I remember you were like offended that she called you racist. And I always say when people say someone's racist, and just on the conversation. I've said this again. We talked about this on Caribbean Connection with Deborah Rose. And Ri when she called the waiter racist, okay, so that's another <laughs> episode, okay? Um, but um, I said, so what I always do, everyone yeah, well, guys know, Gwen's like to talk about her story. Her perspective was, and her, she felt like you were insinuating that black people are not smart enough or and whatever, and I don't have access to BBC. Mm-hmm. So she took that as you being racist. That's how she took it, Right. And you were just saying, like, look, Americans in general don't watch BBC, hence African-Americans are a subset of Americans in general, hence it's very unlikely you're going to have it. So it's not the right, you know, it's not this big accessible news source. Right. And I think I told you at the time that, you know, the problem with her saying that is that calling you racist is that it just, or saying that, I don't know if she called you racist or she said that's racist. It could have been that. that's that's racist. Yeah. Then that shuts down the dialogue and then where do you go from there? Because it, it is accusing the other person and it's, yeah. you know, people find being, you know, being called racist or saying something that is racist is very taboo. It's very hurtful. You know, no one wants right. to be that. So it just shuts down the conversation. So she took his perspective as you were, you know, saying that, you know, these people aren't smart enough or don't have X enough or they don't know better, you know, and that was not your intention, but, um, hey, no, and I don't think it's an I don't think it's an access issue mm. at all. Yeah, if you have a basic cable package, BBC is department. in it. Like, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's not an access issue yeah. for any subset of the population. Yeah. It's not an access issue yeah. for anybody. Right. It's just that regardless of whether you have access to right. it, it doesn't mean you're using that access. Right. Yeah,
0: it's not popular. It's yeah. just not popular. It's just in not popular. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um and and so I think there was a little bit lost in translation. I never saw her again. Right. Um and I was sort of relieved. Right. By that. right. 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 <laughs> um but, um, so yeah, really but yeah, yeah, so that's sort of the only, the only story I have where, but again, she is also Western. Yeah. She's not South Sudanese. Right. So she's not totally different, yeah. totally different yeah. in, in the mentality and the
0: thinking and understanding. Right. So, um, so South Sudanese, what, what, you know, forget them thinking about, you know, cause truth be told, they wouldn't talk to you about it. If I were there, or she were there, they would have a very different conversation with her versus they would have with you just because of the nature. Right. We would, I uh, talk about my background. Yeah, they, the, they would ask, talk to me about mm, it, right? right. Um, uh, so, just in general, I guess. What
1: but there they is share? so the one thing that I would know: there is quite a disparity in South Sudan between those that left South Sudan during the war, mm-hmm. um, who were able to get away to the U.S., to Canada, mm-hmm. to Europe, mm-hmm. Australia, um, and those who remained behind and, right. and lived through the war in mm-hmm. its entirety. Um, versus and and those who st- were in refugee camps for years and then yeah. were able to go back. There is a lot of animosity between those that stayed and mm-hmm. remained there towards those who got out. Why? Yeah. Um, I think because those who got out were able to get an education and now they return back to South Sudan mm-hmm. to try and to try and help the situation to try and bring about business. They do a lot mm-hmm. of a ton of business, ton of influx of money mm-hmm. coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, But it doesn't trickle down to those who remained, necessarily. It may have extended families are still there. um, But it also comes down to experience. You weren't here while we suffered. Um, And so that narrative I'm quite familiar with. And this is not just something that's in South Sudan. This is, I think, anywhere that there's been a huge war or you know, natural disaster, things like that, where some people have experienced it and have had to deal with it and trudge forward with their the lives trauma, yeah. and the trauma. Yeah. Exactly. And those that have, have gone away and been able to come back. Um, so there's that, you know, very clear dichotomy within mm-hmm. South Sudanese culture mm-hmm. active. That's active right. now right. It has been, um, but then sort of the U S perspective mm-hmm. on what it means to be African, mm-hmm. I think is, is shamefully limited mm-hmm. in that what you mm-hmm. see is just these commercials of, of extreme poverty, Correct. you know, children with the bloated bellies, the yeah. flies, yeah. you know, the whole thing. Yeah. And while those scenes do exist, mm-hmm. they are certainly mm-hmm. not yeah. the, I would say even the majority of mm-hmm. the population there. There is incredible wealth. Right. There is everything, just like you see in the US, everything from, you know, the poorest of the poor to the richest of the rich. Right. Um, and that disparity between rich and poor is only getting stronger and right. growing in right. Africa. Um, most places. Yeah. Circa China, by the yeah, way. Yeah, but it's a but Americans have so little interaction and so few stories or or understanding of experiences. Mm-hmm. That they don't know any other narrative, mm-hmm. they haven't been exposed to it. Mm-hmm. So, while the vast majority of Americans are completely wrong in their assumptions about Africa, mm-hmm. we as a culture, as a as a country, don't do anything to help expose and portray Africa in a in a truer light, or to to draw on and share those experiences with others, so that they have mm-hmm. a, a more varied understanding. Mm-hmm a wider understanding mm-hmm. of, of what Africa is really like yeah but I feel like well number one I you know. Never- so you know I'm a big fan of um, Adichie the author mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's, she's Nigerian, Nigerian girl, yeah and yeah. she wrote Americana yeah. which talks specifically about mm-hmm. these race relations between mm-hmm. Africans in the US versus mm-hmm. African Americans mm-hmm. and it's it's very interesting. Not did you end up reading it? I didn't end up reading it. I have it someplace in here. Yeah. She also did a, I want to say a TED talk. Mm-hmm. I've I've seen part of her on talk. the the African experience mm-hmm. and and the fact that Americans have you know such limited interaction with mm-hmm. various experiences to be able to broaden those horizons. Mm-hmm. And then one thing you touched on earlier was that you know African Americans feeling exhausted about telling their experience to mm-hmm. white people. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because my perspective is actually, oh my God, keep saying it, mm-hmm. keep telling us mm-hmm. because the only way to improve understanding, the mm-hmm. only way to bridge these gaps is to tell the truth and, so, and the truth from your perspective, right? Mm-hmm. And then for others to be able to tell their truths, mm-hmm. this is what reconciliation, this is what bridging gaps, this is how people do it out in Africa, you I know, know, it's it, it's all about that, and while it's exhausting, it's so
0: necessary. I know, but I think the 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 issue is that people feel like they're telling their truth on deaf ears. So after a while, why do I keep doing it? You know, so and I understand that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Gwen is a talker, so I keep talking. So that's the difference. <laughs> but a lot of people right. understand. The more people are tired, it's like forget it. Um, but maybe they're deaf ears now, but maybe they won't be deaf ears later. And that's the
1: thing, your experience is Mm -hmm. one of, hopefully, you know, a million that people get to hear over the course of their life, and it may not have an immediate effect, Mm -hmm. but over time, those things may start to resonate, those things may start to sink in. Mm -hmm. I can tell you my grandmother, Mm -hmm. as racist as they come, Mm -hmm. the woman just, she grew up in rural Ohio, Mm -hmm. in, you know, was born in 1920-something, and... She has said many... Uh, she's funny to me. But she know. is a colorful, <laughs> just she's so she's a so colorful like, woman. She's a Yes. Right. Has to so, really? yeah. you know, and to find as uh, she's in her, you know, early 70s. And she befriends her neighbor across the street who is a black man in his 40s. Mm-hmm. And they strike up this conversation. And every day they start talking and seeing each other waving, saying mm-hmm. hi. Mm-hmm. He ends up coming to fix things in her house. And they mm-hmm. build a friendship. Mm-hmm. And slowly my grandmother mm-hmm. now has a different perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, she can say in her lifetime she has a black friend. Mm-hmm. It took her 70 freaking years to get there. Mm-hmm. But that's a change. Mm-hmm. A really slow one. And I will argue that that's part of the time and, and the culture mm-hmm. and, and thing. you know, that she grew up in, but it doesn't happen overnight. These things don't happen immediately.
0: I know, but I have to, you know, everyone knows that's not my particular perspective, but I understand where they're coming from. It's like, you have to understand the onus of being the teacher is on black people and they're like tired, they don't want to do it. It's like, why do I have, because you're always in this reading rainbow, like mm-hmm. moment and it's like, holy shit, because the white person is not in that moment, it's you. And sometimes they just want to live their lives. So, um, that's, you know, that's not how I am. And I'm not trying to be like, I'm a token, but it's just not my nature. Like I'm a talker. I don't really care. And I'm, I'm, I'm probably stubborn in that way where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to keep saying it regardless. But, um, there is an exhaustion and, and I'm not denying that yeah. at
1: all. I'm yeah.
0: just encouraging, even
1: if you're exhausted, mm-hmm. don't give up. Right. Keep trying. Right. Because I don't think it always falls on deaf ears. Right. You know? Right. And but you're a white liberal girl. Mm. <laughs> well I've, I was like right. So I've learned mm. very recently having to apply for a visa to mm. Europe that I am not seen as the American norm. Correct. Right. And it really it hit me quite hard through yeah. this experience. Right. I had a hell of a battle yeah. trying to get a visa. Um, yeah. yeah, I get that. Mm-hmm. But I didn't get to where I am mm-hmm. by not having positive black influences in my life. Right. Full stop right? And so I can tell you that, you know, my junior high school and high school had almost no black families in them. And so it didn't, it didn't start necessarily from a young age. Mm -hmm. It started because I traveled and because, because I wanted to learn and I was more open to it. And I I get that that's already a step ahead of of most people, people, but it's not going to fall on deaf ears all the time. And if it's something that's important, I always feel like it's worth mention. You know, it's worth keeping at it. And there's nothing more important. I mean, this is critical. Yeah. To
0: our to our future as a country. Yeah. it's Not the wrong person. You need to come here with some angry black people. <laughs> they, because I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you see, her, Gal, you should have been here. Because <laughs> she's not going to agree. But um, you know, and say why. But I, yeah, you know, um, you know, I'm a hard person to shut up and a hard person to shut down so it's like I'm going to say whatever it is mm-hmm. but it's you know it's tricky be- it, it, it is it is tricky because you know sometimes people just want to live their lives you know and just like normal people and you are often reminded that you're like when well, you're not even thinking about it truth be told like you just mm-hmm. blah, blah blah and then you're like oh oh shit here it comes again <laughs> like you know like sometimes it's just annoying and you have to you know you're caught up guard, and you have to you know explain it and it's sometimes mm-hmm. it's just tiring so I, I do get that, um, or it tires some people. Sometimes people are just angry about doing it. Um, but you know, keep hope alive. That's all I can say. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. So I want to end this episode. Or we're not done recording, by the way. But I feel like this is <laughs> enough time to like kind of end end this one, and then flip to another episode. So I'm going to thank Samantha for for episode twenty four. Thank you for being here. Thank I you for having me. And um, you guys are going to hear us again on episode 25. So stay tuned. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye.